You're listening to Travaux, The Current State. I'm your host, Kayleen Kosla, and today I'm joined by Travaux contributor, Amina Fami. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the International Criminal Court's recent decision to investigate crimes committed in Palestinian territories. Amina, can you start by telling us about the ICC's recent announcement pertaining to Palestinian territories and what it might mean for the involved parties going forward? On March 3rd, the International Criminal Court's Chief Prosecutor, Fatou Bensouda, announced that the court would begin investigating crimes committed against Israeli and Palestinian civilians by both Israel and Hamas from June 13, 2014 onward. The investigation will focus primarily on two periods of hostility the summer 2014 war between Israel and Hamas, and the 2018 hostilities Israel carried out along the border in Gaza. The court will also investigate Israel's settlement activity in the occupied West Bank. Last week, Israeli news sources reported that the ICC sent officials a letter formally notifying them of the probe, which triggered a one-month deadline for Israel to respond to the investigation. During hostilities in Gaza in the 2014 war, Israeli forces fired artillery and tank shells into densely populated residential areas in Gaza, killing families inside their homes. They also intentionally targeted schools, hospitals, and medical workers, including staff attempting to evacuate the dead and wounded. Meanwhile, Hamas fired munitions into Israel from residential areas in Gaza and executed and tortured a number of individuals thought to be collaborating with Israeli forces. People in the West Bank have clearly experienced great suffering and loss as far back as 2014 and continuing through today. Has there been any movement towards righting wrongs or at least preventing harm to residents? Though the situation remains hostile, Israel, led by President Benjamin Netanyahu, recently stepped up settlement activity in the occupied West Bank. Unfortunately, the settlements have been and continue to be a point of severe contention, and it's unlikely that there will be significant resolution anytime soon. What factors play a fundamental role in the ongoing tensions between the two states? There are many different social, political, and religious factors that have led to tensions in the region. One overarching point of contention has to do with the legal status of the Palestinian region. Though neither Israel nor the international community formally recognized Palestine as a state, the 1949 arms disagreement recognized a border in Gaza, in East Jerusalem, and in the West Bank, envisioned to eventually become a Palestinian state. However, Israel has been occupying portions of that territory, specifically in East Jerusalem and in the West Bank, since the 1967 war. Israel has sought to construct settlements in the West Bank, which have often involved the forced removal of Palestinians already living in the area, as well as the destruction of their homes. Israel's actions have long been recognized as a violation of various international legal instruments. The presence of Israelis in the West Bank makes the eventual creation of a Palestinian state significantly more difficult. 
The Geneva Conventions state that an occupying power cannot legally transfer part of its population into the territory it's occupying, and the International Court of Justice declared in 2004 that Israel had breached that principle. The presence of Israelis in the West Bank makes the eventual creation of a Palestinian state significantly more difficult. Now, doesn't a given state have to be a party to the Rome Statute in order for the ICC to have jurisdiction over the state? How can the ICC investigate Israel if it is not a signatory to the Rome Statute? It's true that the 2002 Rome Statute provides that countries are subject to the court's jurisdiction only after they affirmatively opt in as a party to the agreement. Because Israel, as you rightly mentioned, is not party to the Rome Statute, the ICC cannot, legally speaking, investigate crimes carried out in the state itself. However, in 2015, Palestine became party to the Rome Statute and complied when the ICC exercised jurisdictions over alleged crimes carried out in the Palestinian territories since June 2014. The ICC spent the five years after 2014 carrying out a preliminary examination to determine whether the situation in Palestine warranted the launch of a formal investigation. Specifically, the prosecutor considers jurisdiction, admissibility, and the interests of justice. Confirming jurisdiction quickly became a tricky question. Prior to the March announcement, Prosecutor Bensouda asked the chamber to confirm that the ICC could actually exert its jurisdiction in Palestine, and to clarify that Palestine implied the West Bank, Gaza, and East Jerusalem. The issue arises out of the question of Palestinian statehood. In order for a state to become party to the Rome Statute, it must be recognized as a sovereign entity. Prosecutor Bensouda and the ICC chamber confirmed that although the question of Palestinian statehood remains unresolved, and that as a result of the Oslo Accords, Palestine lacks complete territorial jurisdiction over Gaza, the West Bank, and East Jerusalem, and also lacks jurisdiction over Israelis living in those territories, the ICC does have jurisdiction in Palestine. The chamber concluded that because Palestine had already properly acceded to the Rome Statute as a state, and because it acts as a state in the sense that it enters into international treaties, the question of statehood did not need to be considered for the purposes of establishing jurisdiction for the impending investigation. The court was careful to note that disputed borders have never prevented a state from becoming a state party to the statute and they were not adjudicating a border dispute, nor prejudging any future borders. Further, they concluded that the court's jurisdiction into territories occupied by Israel since 1967 was consistent with the Palestinian right to self-determination. Even though the investigation will be taking place in the West Bank and Gaza, which carries a disputed legal status, Israel argues that the ICC does not have jurisdiction to hear the case as it involves Israeli officials. In June, Prosecutor Bensouda will be replaced by British lawmaker Karim Khan, who is expected to be more sympathetic to Israel's stance. Israel hopes that the argument over jurisdiction will stall the investigation until then. 
What charges are the ICC considering as it conducts its investigation? And what might the investigation look like, given the territorial challenges? After the preliminary investigation, Prosecutor Bensuda stated that she was confident that war crimes had occurred and may still be occurring in the West Bank, Gaza, and East Jerusalem. It is highly unlikely that Israel will allow investigators to be physically present in their territories, so it's likely that the court will have to take testimony abroad. Arrest warrants aren't expected anytime soon and have to be approved by a panel of ICC judges as well as the prosecutors. When they do come, Israeli officials can be apprehended if they travel out of the country. How have Israel and Palestine responded to the ICC's call for investigation? Israel has broadly condemned the investigation, with Prime Minister Netanyahu calling it outrageous and vowing to, quote, fight this in every place, unquote. The Prime Minister also characterized the investigation as anti-Semitic, and accused the court of ignoring war crimes in places like Syria and Yemen. On the other side, Palestinian officials and human rights groups are cautiously optimistic about the investigation. Palestinian officials say they are not opposed to the ICC investigation into Hamas, but are rather committed to the upholding of international law. Now, let's turn to the international response from the global community. First, can you tell us about the immediate response that came from the United States? In an unsurprising move, the United States stood by Israel following the announcement, with Vice President Harris calling Prime Minister Netanyahu and expressing the U.S.'s disapproval of the investigation. A State Department spokesperson said, quote, We will continue to uphold our strong commitment to Israel and its security, including by opposing actions that seek to target Israel unfairly. The ICC has no jurisdiction over this matter, unquote. This move is consistent with a longer, broader American opposition to the ICC. In 2020, President Trump imposed sanctions on the ICC, which included visa restrictions on ICC officials' families and a promise to launch an investigation into corruption into the court after it announced that it was considering investigations into alleged war crimes carried out in Palestine and Afghanistan. Before President Biden took office, the State Department said it planned to remove the sanctions after Biden was sworn in, but it has so far failed to do so. The Guardian and Axios have reported that Israeli President Benjamin Netanyahu called then-President-elect Biden in December and asked that he keep the sanctions in place. As the Biden administration develops its foreign policy, this is a particularly interesting moment to consider the U.S.'s posture towards the International Criminal Court. Though President Biden immediately reversed many of President Trump's controversial foreign policy decisions, including ending the Muslim travel ban and rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, he has said nothing about the Trump administration's sanctions on the International Criminal Court, aside from acknowledging that they are being reviewed. He also has failed to withdraw Trump's policy recognizing Israeli settlements in the West Bank as being consistent with international law. The U.S.'s refusal to endorse the court, an outlier response, 
may have the unintended effect of bolstering the legitimacy of the ICC as a truly international body. It will be years before the ICC investigation is complete, and even longer before any charges could potentially be brought against Israel or Israeli officials. However, the investigation signals two things. First, that the Palestinian strategy of appealing to international bodies might have some tangible success. Second, that Biden's opposition to the investigation signals that the administration is enjoying some of the remnants of President Trump's disregard for international law and specifically for the International Criminal Court. Though these moves sanctioning the court and recognizing Israeli settlements as being consistent with international law are not necessarily ones Biden would have made, he is certainly not attempting to reverse the policies. Thank you for listening. Travaux is brought to you by Veronica Bognat and the members of the online team at the Berkeley Journal of International Law. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please write to us at berkeley.travaux at gmail.com. While we're committed to bringing you international and comparative law news and insights, our podcast is intended for academic and entertainment purposes only. The information presented is not legal advice and may not be current. <laughs>